Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Razorback fans, and welcome to the one and only Hog Talk Podcast. Live from the Amigo Provisions Company Studios, we are a part of the Believe in Buzz radio network where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as the Buzz to 106.7. So please like, rate, review our podcast on whatever platform you watch us on. All live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. This is Jacob Davis, and tonight I am the lone host because as Porter Hayes travels to South Carolina where he'll be covering the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament for us, our broadcast is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports, NBA, and all of it in between. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup, info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features the live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport in any game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, everybody, I appreciate y'all tuning in. It's going to be a pretty good show, pretty loaded show. Uh, Arkansas coming off a loss to Alabama. I know it was a nationally uh, looked at game. Arkansas, man, they were they were very impressive uh, throughout the first half of the Arkansas game on the road against Alabama. And it stinks that you had to see them come away with a loss, a three-point loss especially in the way that they uh, were in these games. This game, they controlled the first half. They looked really good. I mean, I thought Arkansas was doing some things out there that showed me that this was the team that we were expecting to see, and we heard so many times throughout the first uh, first few minutes of the broadcast where they were saying, well, Arkansas is back to full strength. They're back at full strength with Nick Smith, and they're forgetting somebody in Trevin Brazil arguably the most athletic, crazy phenomenon uh, at Trevin Brazil, man, li- missing him. So Arkansas is not at full strength. I think that was a uh, a uh, misguided perception there where Arkansas isn't at the full strength, but they are at full strength as, as close to full strength as they can be. So obviously Arkansas – they came away with a three-point loss. They were in control of that game. Nick Smith led the team with 24 points. Uh, Devo Davis playing with the heart of a hog over and over and over again. The guy was just outstanding. Had 21 points, 
had many a threes. Uh, I can't. Uh, I don't have it pulled up right quick. Let me get that pulled up. Uh, that's the only tab I was missing was the basketball team. Uh, man, they they were so close to pulling off a road upset. Something that I think the whole nation had been wanting to see Arkansas uh, uh, pull off an upset, especially with everything that's surrounding the Alabama program with Brandon Miller, with Darius Miles, and with Mr. Davis. Like, it, it just you, – you wanted to see Arkansas be able to pull something out of their hat, and and they almost did. I mean, they, they were that close. I mean, hitting threes, hitting shots when they needed, and they almost pulled it off in crunch time, especially when – uh free throws are being shot i thought what was go- what was weird though was arkansas was almost nearly in the bonus uh with about 12 minutes to go in that second half and i thought okay they're gonna play it up uh and, and you know arkansas just got out physical uh, i don't think they were out coach i think you know a lot of their guys they rose to the occasion they're the home team at senior night a lot of these guys are are playing for the last time at the coliseum yeah brandon miller had 24 points Javon Quinterly, a guy that's 24 years old, and he still has another season because of the COVID eligibility uh, deal. Javon Quinterly still has one more season to play. He has that choice at 24 years old, could come back to Alabama at 25. That's just insane. He had 16 points, uh, a couple of daggers there uh, late in the game. Uh, and he had Mark Sears, who who had a really good game last, uh, last time against Arkansas in Fayetteville. He had 13 points, but the big story was Arkansas limited Alabama. Alabama had been averaging like anywhere between eight to 10 uh, three-point baskets a game. Like they just really, really, you know, they were a volume shooting team. And yeah, they shot 22 threes uh, yesterday's, in yesterday's win uh, and only made three of them. One was by Brandon Miller at the top of the key, Javon Quinterly in the corner, and I'm missing another one, Dom Welch, who uh, I don't remember that one, but uh, he had a three at some point. But Arkansas was flowing. They were the physical team in the first half. Uh, they were after it, and they played a lot of that first half without Anthony Black. Obviously, Anthony Black ended up fouling out in the second half with about 434 remaining. But you had guys like Nick Smith who nearly played all but 26 seconds of the game. Uh, same deal with Devontae Davis. He played all but 27, 26 seconds of the game. Those guys were 17 of 38 from the field by themselves. Those guys are going to be able to bring Arkansas uh, really far during March Madness, and I'll get to that later. Uh, Anthony Black, obviously 2 of 7 from the field. Jordan Walsh is 2 of 7 from the field. A guy that was in foul trouble, too, ended up with four personal fouls but he was able to stay in the game. Uh, another a couple of guys that were, you know, really uh, key focal points in that first game was Makai Mitchell and, and Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham was pretty much a non-factor after uh, having a pretty good three or four game stretch there for Arkansas. Uh, went up against uh, Alabama, played nine minutes and 17 seconds. And, and I mean, the guy just really didn't get into a groove. Obviously you have, uh, all those big guys from Alabama. You have Betty Aka, who's a difference maker. Uh, you have uh, Brandon Miller. You had Noah Clowney. So many guys out there that, that you know, there's just mitch, mismatches out there. And and it doesn't do anything but uh, to diminish what Jalen Graham's been able to do the past couple of weeks at Arkansas. 
but he, he just didn't have the matchup uh, that was appropriate, kind of like it was against Georgia. He had a matchup there. Florida had a matchup there. Uh, Ricky Council had a really good game. Obviously, he was able to get to the free throw line. Plenty going 10 of 14 for the line. Uh, he had 20 points on 5 and 9 from the field. Uh, was the guy that took the last shot. Obviously, uh, I mean, you want to have somebody that makes more threes per game. Uh, I think uh, Ricky Council was a 24% three-point shooter, uh, a guy that you you can't really depend on, but you know a guy that, that can hit him occasionally. He, he, he throws up more knuckleballs than most, mostly uh, doesn't put very much arch on the ball, and if he does put any arch on the ball, it's way too much, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But the thing is, Arkansas didn't get that shot to fall. You you really want a guy like Devo Davis, who was three for four from three, or Nick Smith, who was two for three from three. Like those two guys were the only two guys that hit a three point shot that night. The rest of everybody went over two. <laughs> Not everybody, nobody else took a shot besides Jordan Walsh on the key and Anthony Black from the from the uh, from the top of the circle. Uh, really didn't have much of an impact from Mikel Mitchell. Uh, he got plenty of rebounds, didn't have much of a scoring factor there. He scored five points. Uh, Makai Mitchell was held scoreless. He had uh, two rebounds only. Uh, he's had a, That's his second straight game where he just really wasn't himself. Uh, for the game, Arkansas shot 29 of 70 from the field for 41%. And at one point during this game, Arkansas was sitting at 50% uh, shooting the ball. And then and it drifted down. Uh, one of the things that really concerned me down the stretch was Arkansas's free throw shooting. Uh, they were eight of nine uh, from the line in the first half. They went 12 of 20. And there was one point, I think they had like five or six straight missed free throws. Uh, you know, it, it just, you know, you, you wish you could get some of those back, but, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, uh, Hog fans. During while we uh, go through this stretch, uh, while we during the show, you interact with me, give me your comment, leave some questions. Uh, or is this going to be a long show just uh, by myself doing it solo? What were your concerns about Arkansas this past weekend? Uh, was there anything that stuck out to you, uh, during the game during during this past week stretch? Obviously, Arkansas seven and three, uh, in the past 10 games since that one and five start to conference play. And honestly, it really puts a damper on what's been a solid rebound uh, stretch for the Razorbacks because obviously they went one and five. They they lost a bunch of close games throughout the uh, season. I think they've had four losses that came down to one possession, and three of them were road games. I mean, Arkansas they went on the road to play Missouri, uh, lost that one, lost Baylor. Oh, man, they uh, then they lost to uh, Auburn, which wasn't a one possession, but Arkansas had the uh, opportunities there to keep that game. Arkansas had uh, control early, kind of like they did against Alabama uh, yesterday. Jose Castaneda, I like the way Nick looked as a primary ball handler in the first half. And that's really what Arkansas needs. That's what Eric Musselman wants. Uh, I think I uh, relayed that message last week. Uh, Nick Smith, he was supposed to be the alpha dog. And, and that's really what Arkansas needs is a guy that, uh, is the, is a scorer, a threat to score the basketball in every single possession. And that's what you've seen in the, 
uh, years past with Mason Jones, with a J.D. Note, and now with Nick Smith. You have a guy that is a ball-dominant guy. That doesn't mean he's a ball hog. It doesn't mean that any of these players are ball hogs that are uh, offensive-driven players. But what Nick Smith offers is a guy that every single touch, every it's a soft touch, soft release, a guy that you can depend on, a guy that can take, what was it, 23, 24 shots? He went tw- yeah, 9 of 23 from the field, 2 of 3 uh, from 3, 4 of 5 from the line. So a guy that's not afraid to go after contact, not afraid to shoot uh, outside of the zone, but a guy that's going to take more shots. And that's what you that's what Arkansas has has had in the past over the past few seasons is a guy that's a ball dominant player that's gonna go and look to create his own shot to to go down and, and not be afraid of contact and a guy that is gonna jack up shots. And, and you remember there there was points in some games where JD Note would go four of twenty-two from the field or or go six of thirty from the field in, in multiple games last season. And, and Arkansas won those games. And and I think a lot of it is the focus is Arkansas needs these guys to, to take up a bunch of shots, shoot, shoot volume stuff, create more possessions. And I think that's what Arkansas does well, and that's what kind of gets teams uh, a little bit out of the zone because Arkansas is not afraid to go out there and shoot these shots. Not They're not afraid to uh, – create extra possessions, uh, create extra defensive possessions for the opponent. And so when you play these teams that maybe want to slow Arkansas down, uh, it really it really helps and benefits Arkansas playing more possessions. And uh, the more possessions you have to score the basketball is a ruining recipe. And I, I like that. And I like what Jose says here. Nick did look really – Really good as a primary ball handler. He was the primary ball handler against Alabama. He'll be, I mean, uh, against Georgia. Now he's going to be the primary ball handler going on the road to Tennessee, which is going to be another uh, another crazy atmosphere at Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, it's going to be a Tuesday. It's at 8 o'clock, so I expect there to be a pretty good, uh, uh, a pretty good crowd come to the Tennessee game, uh, especially uh, with how their season's gone and, you know, it's it's really weird because Tennessee was expected. And it wasn't very long ago where Tennessee was the 11th ranked team in the country. They've kind of gone on this slide here as of late. They rebounded this past weekend. Uh, but, you know, they sometimes their, def- their defense is great. They're one of the best uh, defensive teams in the country. Their offense is really inconsistent. You've got Vescovi, who feel I feel like he's been there for about ten years. You've got Zakai Ziegler, that who is a fantastic point guard, great facilitator, a guy that can shoot the rock too. I think Arkansas will be able to uh, really dictate the tempo there. Uh, I think if you can get Tennessee out of their game plan and uh, keep Plavich out of the paint and, and really attack the uh, attack the paint. Arkansas, that was one thing that Arkansas didn't do very well this past week, and that's because of the size disadvantage against Alabama. Uh, where's that stat there? Arkansas was in the paint. They were outscored 52 to 38, which isn't that bad because, uh, I mean, a lot of it had to do with the late drives to the baskets in Arkansas in desperation time. Alabama kind of let things go. But at one point, it was like Arkansas was being doubled in points in the paint, and that's usually where Arkansas' strong suit is. They're not going to see that against Tennessee this week. 
Uh, and I don't think they're going to be able to see that outside of Oscar Shibway on Saturday at Bud Walton Arena at 1 o'clock. I think it's going to be a whole different story there. I think Arkansas will be able to attack the paint with more efficiency at home uh, with, with the crazy Bud Walton Arena. I think Arkansas has a chance to go out there and win these next two games. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. I do not. But Arkansas, yeah, they were outscored 52-38 to 38 in the paint, and that's uh, one thing that Arkansas is going to have to to uh, clean up this week. Let's see here. Chris Corley, what's he got to say? Hogs win two. Uh, Hogs with two tough games left. Kentucky playing good ball just blew the doors off Auburn. That would be under 500 in conference play if you lose them both. Not best for a resume. And, yeah, that's one thing that I think we can go on to now is is the talk of tourney play and the talk of of uh, of the next couple of games here. Arkansas is ranked 14th currently in the net rankings. Why why does that why is that such a big deal? And I'll tell you why it's not that big of a deal if Arkansas loses these next two games. I think they are in the tournament. I don't think they have to go and win any games in the SEC tournament to uh to have to depend on for seeding. It would look great, though, if Arkansas does win these next two games, especially a road game against Tennessee. And that's another reason why the Arkansas losing to Alabama, if they would have won that game against Alabama, gone on the road and beaten Tennessee, that puts a whole new light on the situation at Arkansas. Yeah, you lost nine games, but you look at it uh, in, in this way, Arkansas is playing their best ball as of late, and and now you're looking at maybe – maybe going one and one down this two game stretch instead of maybe going three and no and really bolstering your resume. Arkansas is going to be a dangerous eight, nine or seven seed. They, because they are, they are at full strength or as at full strength as they are going to be. Cause without Trevor in Brazil, I mean, I think Arkansas would be a crazy good two or three seed, maybe a four seed. But with these two games left and Kentucky playing better ball than they did, and that's one thing, is Arkansas and Kentucky were picked to finish first and second in uh, the SEC regular season uh, before the before the year. And both teams looked like they were completely out of the tournament, especially through the first six, seven, eight games of the season, conference season. Now these teams are starting to, to gel a little bit. They are looking a little bit more confident. And I'm thinking Kentucky, yeah, they're playing good ball, but you got to look at how Auburn's been playing. Auburn was pretty much, I mean, on skates through the first couple of weeks. I mean, they were uh, of conference season during the non-conference play. They looked good. They deserved their top 25 ranking, but then the losses piled up. They didn't look too great. And, and now Auburn is kind of falling onto the bubble, but Kentucky, who is one of the first four out teams, are, are now is rising up a little bit. And I think whoever, Arkansas and Kentucky, one of those teams, whoever wins that game is the seventh seed in Arkansas or Kentucky will be the eighth seed or ninth seed. I think that's how that plays out. I don't have, I don't really have a feeling if Arkansas loses uh, or Kentucky loses the, in the first game of the SEC tournament, that it would be Vinicov. Of, I don't think it would affect their tournament seating. I don't think that I don't think it would, because I think Arkansas and Kentucky have done enough over the past month and a half to kind of reset their season, and 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 now they're playing for more. I think both of those teams are in. I think uh, I think the SEC is going to probably get seven to eight teams in, because you've got Alabama, 
you've got Arkansas, Kentucky. I think they're both clearly in. You've got uh, Missouri. You got Tennessee in. Um, I, I think Mississippi State may get in right now. They are in the uh, the final four seeds to get into the tournament. And then, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of who else. I may be missing a team or two. But there, there is a possibility that Arkansas gets eight teams. And this SEC league, they're 11 teams deep this season. You take out South Carolina. You take out the Ole Miss. And you take out the LSU. The rest of the conference, they're fine. They're playing good basketball. They're competitive. Anywhere between uh, Texas A&M, and, or, well, under Texas A&M, the three spot down the 11 spot, they're, they're probably separated by that much. It's not very much. And I think uh, Arkansas, I mean, in, in Kentucky, all these teams playing so well at the right time. They're all like, there's seven teams in the top 50 of the net. Uh, I think that uh, even if Arkansas does go and they lose all four, uh, three games down the stretch and they finish under 500 in conference play, I don't think it does anything to affect their tournament resume. I don't think so. I think Arkansas is in. Completely. I think they, uh, it wouldn't hurt to win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament or in the SEC tournament. I don't think it hurts at all. But, uh, you know, you, you want to win them all, especially when you're a fan, especially when you're in the media, and especially when you're playing the game of basketball. Uh, but, you know, you, you really want to stay away. And everybody knows you want to stay away from that eight, nine seed game because the very next game, you got to go and play the number one seed in the tournament. And it's not very often. It's happened one time where a 16 seed knocks out the number one seed, and and it just doesn't happen very often. And so Arkansas, if they can win these next two games, win maybe one or two games in the SEC tournament, I think they are a seven seed. That would put them at 22, 23, and 11. Probably the most dangerous 23 and 11 team in the country because they're seven and three through their last 10. They win their next two. That makes it nine and three. Win a couple of games in the SEC tournament and maybe lose in the semifinals. That puts you at a, uh, 11 and four over your last 15 games. That's fine with me. I think that's a pretty dang good finish to where you started, especially going one and five in the SEC. I think it's totally fine. Totally acceptable, and Arkansas will be a seven seed. Now, who do you want to see? I hope they're far and away out of the Alabama bracket. I hope Arkansas, if they're going to play in a uh, one seed, I would rather them, if they had to play a one seed in the second round, go play Purdue. Why? Because I think Purdue, I think the whole Big Ten, are a bunch of frauds. I don't think that any of them are going to be at the level that Arkansas plays teams in the SEC. I mean, Arkansas, they they went and beat the overall number one seed last year, pretty much handled them without a big-time rim protector. Arkansas did a lot of it because of J.D. Note and Jalen Williams this year. but And then you had Stanley Amude and Adis Tony. But after that, there was a pretty good drop-off in, in guys in production. But this year, You've got Devo Davis, who's playing out of his mind good right now. You've got a Nick Smith guy that is playing very good right now. The guy's finished with 20 points in his uh, last two games. A guy that's starting to see the floor and get into a groove of things. We, I didn't expect him 
to come out and light it up in the first two games as he was back because it was going to take a few minutes to really get back into to the jello things during and, and you're putting a guy out there that hadn't played any since December 17 you're expecting him to go out for 30 no but now the guy has got his groove on and he's playing really good basketball right now I'm really looking forward to it I'm really looking forward to seeing what maybe a Ricky Council can do because the floor spacing on this offense with this team is a lot greater with Nick Smith out there. And I really think that Arkansas has an opportunity to, to do some things in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament, things that were expected of them beforehand. Razorback fans, give me your comments and, and questions here. Uh, we got a couple of minutes to the break. Um, but really, honestly, like I feel like Arkansas could do some things. You've got them. You you've got the physicality down low with the Mitchell twins, with Jalen Graham, a guy that I think was becoming a little bit more physical throughout the past couple of weeks. This team, and you have Jordan Walsh. You have a team that can go eight to nine guys deep, a deeper roster than Coach Musselman has ever had at Arkansas. And I think that Arkansas can finally do that. I feel comfortable with saying Arkansas has a chance. If they can avoid the eight or nine seed line, they can advance pretty far in the NCAA tournament. But they do have to play a team. You you play a slow Purdue team, a Purdue team that doesn't really have it. A Purdue team that outside of Edie, I'd take Arkansas over any team. I'd wish we had a guy like Edie. But he doesn't fit into the Arkansas scheme. Arkansas can hurry up, get him into foul trouble, and that pretty much puts Arkansas and Purdue on pretty on the, about the same surface. And I think that it, that will provide Arkansas the ability to upset Purdue or any other team. I don't want to see Arkansas have to play Alabama again, maybe outside of the SEC tournament. I hope they don't have to be in the same uh, bracket as them. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, and, and on Selection Sunday, I think Arkansas has the opportunity here to be a seven seed, eight seed, and really make some noise. I wouldn't want to play in there in March. This team is fast. This team is spacing the floor like we hadn't seen them since early on in the season, especially with Brazil. And that was a thing, though, that I thought we were counting on. And I remember tweeting something uh, during the Maui Invitational after the loss to Creighton. Creighton's a great team. They lost to Villanova on the road on Saturday. Uh, They're the number 16 overall uh, team in the AP poll. They're a really good team. Uh, And that was not a bad loss. San Diego State was not a bad bad win. Like, it was a really good win. But I tweeted something out that said, when Nick Smith comes back, Arkansas is going to be great. They're going to be Final Four worthy, and then we lost Trevor in Brazil just a couple of weeks later due to an ACL injury. And that really crippled Arkansas. That crippled what they were able to do offensively. And they figured out ways to to take care of things. And it took a little while. And then you throw Nick Smith back into things, and now you're starting to see the promise of this team, the promise of this offense, the promise of a season that we thought we could kiss goodbye just a couple of weeks ago. Now we're looking at it through a whole different scope. Of scope. And I think Arkansas has the promise here 
to go on a run here in this NCAA tournament and make some noise. In this SEC tournament, it makes a noise. Go and beat Tennessee and Kentucky in the final two games, the final week of the regular season, and go get a victory. And go chase, go chase a higher seed, BC chasers. And I think Arkansas has that chance. I'm Jacob Davis. Uh, I am the lone host, as I said earlier in the uh, in the show. Porter Hayes is on his way to Greenville, South Carolina, where he will cover the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. Uh, I think he'll do a great job. Stay tuned for some news from him personally. Uh, uh, while he is in Greenville, he has some great news for him uh, and the H and, and Hog Talk podcast. Uh, as always, our shows are brought to you by Shelby Taylor Trucking, the leader in all of all of timber needs in South Central Arkansas. They're located in Sheridan, Arkansas. Give them a call. Their their name and a business and phone number down here on the scroll. If you ever need them, sell some timber. They're always looking to help you with your timber needs. Give Shelby Taylor Trucking a call. Also, we have McCoy Tiger Drug in Sheridan, Arkansas. 870-942-5121 is their number. They don't only sell drugs. They are one of the best in the region at with, with your uh, gifts, with uh, tuxedo rentals. Everything that you can imagine is in this store. <laughs> it's amazing. Man, come by, drop by and see them today. McCoy Tiger Drug Store in Sheridan. Uh, so real quick, man, Arkansas, they took it to Eastern Illinois uh, this past weekend. And I was really pleased by how they played. They uh, came home for the first time. And, yeah, they they really struggled against Grambling. Uh, Grambling really, uh, really showed up on Tuesday night in Fayetteville. And and we can look at the scoreboard and say, oh, man, Arkansas only won against Grambling State 9-7. to seven? Are you sure that's right? And you, 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 you kind of scratch your eyes and you're like, 9-7. to seven. What the heck? Why is Arkansas only beating this team, a team from the SWAC, a team that you have overall uh, better talent than, and you only beat them 9-7? That's the beauty of baseball. That's how it is. But you also got to think about it from a uh, from a player standpoint in the box when uh, you're going up to bat and you're used to seeing these 96, 97 mile an hour pitches that you were seeing last week against TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas, and then you come home and and you're, you're opening Bomb Walker, the most beautiful stadium in all of America, and these pitchers from Grambling State are throwing 75-mile-per-hour fastballs to you. Take it, for instance. You're sitting in the batter's box waiting to drill a 96, 97-mile-per-hour fastball, and then you're having to sit and wait. You're having to choke up on your bat, waiting for a 75-mile-per-hour pitch to get across the plate. Arkansas was swinging early. They were swinging late. They couldn't draw the contact, and really... (laughs) It was not a fun game to watch for the first six innings. Arkansas trailed. Let's see here. I think it. Yeah, they were trailing five to three through the fourth inning, and then they then they really tacked it on. They they tied the game at five, and then they they took the lead in the sixth inning, and then in the seventh and eighth, it was all them. But through the first four innings, you got to chalk it up to uh, Grambling. You got to tip their hat to 
to them for coming out and giving Arkansas a game. And I was really kind of worried about it because they played in that uh, HBCU challenge and and they started the season off two and one. And I thought, man, Grayville is going to be able to come in with a little bit of, of swagger and, and really test Arkansas. Arkansas took this game as a way of figuring things out. And, and they did. They figured some things out. You had uh, Tavian Josenberger. He played great. Peyton Stovall, Jed, Jared Wegner again. These guys are are really trying to come to their own. And you think about your your two big lands and Jason Jones and Caleb Kelly that that really haven't gotten to the uh, into uh, the bit of things yet. I mean, they played some pretty good ball, but they're just not there at the plate yet. And <laughs> you're not going to get uh, better at the plate uh by uh by seeing 75 mile per hour fastballs uh like you did against Grambling. Uh Razorback fans, give me your uh comments and your thoughts on this weekend's matchup against EIU. Uh Arkansas they won the first two games. Uh the, the first game was a 10 run rule uh in seven innings against Eastern Illinois uh on Friday. Uh they really took it to them. Uh I really think Arkansas played their best game. They, they played and won 10 to 4 on Saturday, but they their best overall game was Saturday, especially at the plate and on the field. I, I really think Arkansas was able to do some things and they were able to figure out uh, what they had. Now, I think it was okay to go out and lose the game on Sunday. Yeah, you didn't get the first sweep of the season, but you were able to kind of test some guys on Sunday that you hadn't been able to uh, recently. But guys like Tavian Josephberg, he went, uh, he went two for five at the plate on Saturday. Uh, scored two runs. Uh, Kendall Diggs, a guy that that hit a home run. I mean, he called game on on Friday, uh, but he had a great weekend at the plate. He went one for four from the plate on uh, on Friday. Uh, he had that one homer, had four RBIs in that game. Jared Wagner, one for four. He had two RBIs. Brady Slavens, who completely just took over the game. Uh, he was two for four, had one RBI. And then you have Peyton Holt, a guy that has really kind of impressed me. He played a little bit of second base there on Friday's game. He went two for four. I mean, two for two. I'm sorry. I I, I saw I, I was getting my lines mixed up. And then you had John Bolton at shortstop. He was he, he was getting in on the action. But Arkansas went 11 for 31. Just really did some good things there uh, at the play. Hagen Hagen Smith. He got the start. He allowed three hits. He didn't uh, give up any earned runs, but he was kind of touchy. And then you had Cody Adcock come in. Then you had Austin Ledder, Ledbetter, the the uh, the Bryant native. And then you had Gage Wood, uh, who came in to close out things. But yeah, Hagen Smith threw 97 pitches through four and two thirds innings, uh, and he threw some things that were really nice. Threw some things just that just were kind of all over the place. And then on Saturday, man, Willie Will McIntyre, I like to call him Willie Mac. Uh, that guy, he just kind of had a rough start to things. I think he only threw like 70-something pitches, 85 pitches, uh, in, in four and two-thirds innings of work. He allowed two hits, one earned run, and two uh two hit batters. So the guy, I mean, he kind of struggled. There was he was throwing with some heat, but he was throwing over the catcher, under the catcher, to the side of the catcher. Like there was just a lot of things that I I was having issues with. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Because Arkansas, I mean, we were promised that this is the this is the deepest that this pitching 
group, this pitching staff has been ever under uh, under Coach Van Horn, and just things just weren't looking good through your starters. And we thought we'd see some mix-ups uh, through some uh, and see some names that we hadn't seen, but I mean, we really didn't. Uh, Cody Frank got in the action. He got uh, two and one-thirds innings. Brady Tiger had one inning of work on Saturday, and Dylan Carter had one inning of work. All the uh, all the um all those pitchers they had at least allowed one hit and uh, allowed uh, three of them allowed one earned run each. Um, let's see here, but Will McIntyre he did earn a win because Arkansas's offense was incredible. Uh, again, they went ten to three on Saturday, and then you know we can say there's a cause for concern, especially for the way they played today. But I'll, I will tell you this. I would not take away uh, anything bad about how Arkansas lost today, uh, especially with, you know, they, they're they a good team. And I think Dave Van Horn was kind of experimenting with things. Obviously, the pitching wasn't there. Uh, but Holland really started off great. Um, he had a strong start on the mound. He pitched five and two-thirds innings and allowed two runs, struck out four, and allowed only six hits and two walks. Uh, but had a he left the game with a two-run lead. And Arkansas, I mean, it looked like things were going to go well, and you thought, you know, Arkansas is in a good spot. They're going to get the sweep. And then, boom, things just went out of control. And um, Holland, with, when Holland went out, Eastern Illinois took it to Arkansas's bullpen, and they allowed six or one to score in the sixth, four in the seventh, and then they, I mean, things just monsoon from there, and Arkansas allowed six more runs in the eighth inning uh, to go up 12 to three. And, you know, I don't think there's anything really uh, concerning about how they lost Eastern Illinois. It stinks you don't get the sweep to start conference play. That's all right. I think think it's going to be okay. I think Arkansas is going to be, uh, Well-equipped, because on March 1st, this Wednesday at 3 p.m., they host Illinois State for a midweek one-game matchup, and then they play Wright State for three games this weekend. Uh, and the first pitch on Friday is at 3 o'clock. So I'm really not too worried as far as what Arkansas's uh, outcome was this uh, weekend. I think they played some pretty inspired ball. Uh, they got after it this week, went 3-1 and one for the week, and you can't beat that. Uh, that I mean, as as the season goes, I think conference play will go in a little bit deeper. But I think right now it's just really hard to tell what Arkansas has. They have some men. I think Arkansas is never going to have to struggle from the plate, uh, especially. I mean, this is one of the biggest teams I think I've seen Arkansas have. Usually, you know, you, I remember seeing Chad uh, Spanberger, just a complete monster at the at the plate, and then you. And then you had uh, Casey Martin and Heston Kerstaff, who were just big guys. But you look at guys like John Bolt and and uh, Caleb Colley and and a lot of these players, Brady Slavens, they're intimidating guys. They're tall guys. They hug the plate well. And I'm really intrigued to see Arkansas's offense because, you know, <clears throat> sorry, they in the past, yeah, they've had a lot of power. Uh, but they 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 didn't get as much pop. Brady Slavens, guys, he is hitting very well from the plate. I mean, the guy 
he is one of the best opposite field uh, uh, hitters in the country, I think. Because there was a couple of times where in this in, throughout this season where he set plenty of situational at bats and got them in the opposite side of the field where where the shift is not there and, and guys aren't in position to get this ball and make plays and he's been able to get these runs in and and I think Brady Slavens if he can stay with it and stay consistent more consistent than he's been the last two seasons I think Arkansas. I think Arkansas can be carried by their first baseman. Uh, man, guys, moving on here. Uh, I know we're we're trying trying to lose track. Of, I'm losing track of time. We got about 20 minutes, but I got like three more things here to talk about. Uh, Arkansas football losers in the coaching carousel, according to uh, Marcelo Brandon Marcelo at 247 Sports. Now, I don't see it as a slap in the face as a a lot of people would take it as. Uh, Arkansas was not considered winners in the coaching carousel. Uh, You know, he's one of Arkansas's own, a a guy that's been uh, around. I mean, he's a national guy. Uh, Man, Arkansas, he kind of took it to Arkansas. It was kind of surprising uh, he put in, let's see, some winners of the coaching carousel. You had uh, Dabo Sweeney. Porter would love it because, yeah, they got a uh, – they brought in Garrett Riley as offense coordinator as Tony Elliott and Brent Venables. They had left in the past. And Clemson was needing to have some uh, uh, energy brought in to a program that, I mean, the past two years you hadn't made it the uh, – College football playoff. They were considered winners. Louisville, after uh, losing Scott Satterfield, they bring in Jeff Brom, a fire, uh, prior famed quarterback under Bobby Petrino at Louisville. Uh, they were considered winners. Washington State, I think, yeah, they should be definitely included uh, as far as upgraded uh, uh, their coaching staff. I think that is uh, truly a, a good take there. Miami, uh, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, they were considered winners. Liberty, Jamie Chadwell jumping over uh, from Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, take over Liberty Flame, who uh, Hugh Freeze was the head coach of. Hugh Freeze moves on to Auburn, who was also a winner in the coaching carousel after firing Brian Harson. Uh, they bring in, uh, they keep Cadillac Williams uh, to anchor Auburn's recruiting. Uh, they bring in former Tulsa head coach Philip Montgomery, who's a solid Coach just didn't uh, have all the success that he needed at Tulsa. Former Baylor defensive coordinator Ron Roberts, who was also considered at Arkansas uh, before they hired Travis Williams. And they bring in former Auburn receiver Marcus Davis to also coach the same position that he played in in college. Uh, Then they bring in Nebraska. Oh, here we go again. Uh, Nebraska brings in a really good coach. And yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to have to have time to rebuild, but in this day age of college football, I guess that's okay. Uh, but, yeah, Matt Rule, uh, who took over at Baylor after the uh, Art Brow scandal. Matt Rule, who also took over uh, a Temple program, who wasn't very great and went 2-10 and ten in his first season and then won back-to-back 10 uh, win seasons there at Temple. And then he won back-to-back in an appearance in the conference championship game at Baylor before fleeing to uh, Charlotte. Uh, I'll take that a little bit. Colorado. 
I'm just going to keep on scrolling. I love Prime, but can we honestly call it a, a win yet? Uh, because I don't really see. I mean, yeah, they put together a staff, but how hard is it going to be for him to keep the staff, especially if he doesn't have the success right away? And I'm really cheering for for Prime, a guy that's an out-of-the-box hire. Uh, Arizona State, uh, they were considered winners. And Kentucky was uh, considered winners after hiring Liam Cohen back as offense coordinator. Wisconsin with, uh, with uh, Fickle as their new head coach, who was also at uh, Cincinnati last year, and then New Mexico, not New Mexico State. And then you have Texas A&M, who brings in Bobby Petrino. Whew, man, that's going to be a fiery uh, uh, Southwest Classic between Arkansas and Texas A&M. Uh, North Texas was a winner. Ole Miss was a winner. Don't get me started. I love Lane Kiffin, but I just don't see that either one of them. I mean, how can Ole Miss, who made huge changes to their staff, be considered winners, but Arkansas not considered winners? Losers, Notre Dame. Cincinnati, and then Arkansas. This is what Brandon Marcello had to say about Arkansas. They lost this offseason more than half of its staff, including both coordinators, who deserve a heap of credit for the Razorbacks' sudden turnaround in 2021. How Arkansas shifts into new offense and defense after Kendall Browell's departure for TCU and Barry Odom's trip to UNLV as a head coach for a second stint uh, as a head coaching gig is the question of the spring. This is practically a new staff, five new coaches with two new identities. And that's not what head coach Sam Pittman expected heading into his fourth season in Fayetteville, where the transfer portal and NFL also led the losses of productive starters on offense and defense. The seven and six overall record last season was a disappointment for the Hogs, who jumped as high as number 10 in the AP poll. And year four is critical for the future of the program under Pittman. Change could be a good thing, but either way, is an inflection point of the Pittman career. Now, I'm going to rebuke this. And why am I going to rebuke this? Because I don't, I think from an outsider's point of view, and I know, you know, him being an Arkansas guy, he doesn't want to give Arkansas too much credit and just add them to the win, winners, winner side of things. I don't know that. I don't think that's what Brandon Marcello was trying to do. But let's, let's, let's play that. Okay. So from an outsider's perspective, you bring in Travis Williams from UCF, who was under Gus Malzahn last season, who was a terrific defensive coordinator for them. Had them uh, for third down defense. Arkansas struggled there this year, uh, and UCF was one of the best in the in the nation at that. Uh, and, and then you bring in Dan Enos, who this is his second stint at Arkansas, and yeah, you're losing Kendall Bryles, but you bring back. You look at what you bring back at Arkansas. You've got KJ Jefferson, who some consider him to be the best quarterback in the SEC, returning this season. You know, went in the spring practice. You have Rocket Sanders, you have A.J. Green, you have Rashad Dominion, who all three were cons- were consistent running backs last season. And then you bring in a, a Z- Isaiah Agustave, however you say his name, Agustave. You have a legit four-headed monster because he was a blue-chip recruit coming out of Florida, and he could, be, he could be one of the next big things. He could be another Rocket Sanders. He could be... He could be a, a huge asset to this team at six foot two, a guy that you know you really want to see do good things. And I, it's kind of like a Ronnie Wingo size. If he can figure out how to run in between the tackles and not shy away from contact early on, I think Augustave could finally carve out a role uh, with this Razorback offense. 
you you go into this with the receivers wise. And I know you lose Jaden Hazelwood to the NFL draft. You lose Matt Landers uh, because he expired his eligibility in college after six years. You bring in guys like Andrew Armstrong. You bring in a guy like Isaiah Tesla. Uh, you bring in... Oh man, I'm 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 forgetting his name, and I wish I would have pulled this up beforehand. Uh, let's see here, Arkansas uh, commitments for the 23, 23, 20, 2023 class, and this is going to be on two four seven sports uh, because I think they are one of the best ones as far as uh, uh, rankings go. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the, they bring in those guys. You have returners like Bryce Stevens um, and other guys. I think Arkansas has got a chance to be really good as far as, like, huge wide receivers. I mean, that's what Dan Enos likes to have. Uh, I think he'll have a lot more uh, receivers to uh, pass the ball around to this year, un, uh, unlike the 2015 and 2016 seasons. And, and no offense to Keon Hatcher, Drew Morgan, and – and Dominique Reeb, I think this team, you, you, those guys were dogs. They were small, uh, but they they were dogs, man. They would really go after it. Uh, man, wide receivers here. Tyrone Broden. How could I forget the Bowling Green receiver? He's uh, considered the largest, the tallest wide receiver all at college football at six foot seven, 210, 215 pounds. You cannot beat that. And then, uh, I mean, I really don't think Arkansas has any high school guys that are going to be able to play right away. I mean, Davion Dozier, he's nearly almost six foot four, a guy that really could be a a good wide receiver, a guy that really took advantages in uh, uh, mismatches uh, last season in the high school ranks in Alabama. Luke Haz, who was a terrific tight end, a guy that in this day of age of college football, you'd really like to have him on your team. Uh man, he was he's terrific. A guy six foot four, tight end, a guy that can really be a flex, kind of like a Travis Kelsey or or name your tight end in the pros that's really successful. The the guy at, at San Francisco, uh uh Kittle, George Kittle. He's he's fantastic. But this is the kind of guy that you're getting. Then you get Shamar Easter at six foot five, six foot six, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Just complete mismatches. In the uh, in the uh, wide receiver tight end room than ever before, and I think Arkansas uh, will really benefit that. We've got to hurry up. I apologize, guys. Uh, let's see here, and then uh, running back and quarterback rankings. And we saw this. I saw this today from uh, uh, the on three guys, uh, and then I saw. Uh, Let's see, was it that SEC podcast that re, that that retweeted it with a graphic? And the pre-spring SEC quarterback rankings, courtesy of SEC uh, underscore StatCat of On Three Sports, he explained the rankings in his YouTube show in much more detail. But we'll go off of it. Who is the number one quarterback in the SEC going into spring practice? It's not Jaden Daniels with the LSU Tigers. It's not Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, and it's definitely not Will Rogers of Mississippi State. Who is K.J. 
Jefferson. Why am I not surprised? Because I really think that KJ Jefferson's the best quarterback to return, especially uh, a guy that's proven, a guy that has combined for three over three thousand yards his past two seasons, a guy that has 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 bled Arkansas, has helped bring Arkansas out of the depths of Hades. He is ahead of Jaden Daniels. He is such an effective runner. And, but inside this Dan Enos offense, we saw what Dan Enos was able to do in one season with Brandon Allen. <clears throat> and obviously, Brandon Allen had the uh, had what he needed, uh, the tools that he needed to succeed at the SEC level, and was he was the all time leading uh, Arkansas quarterback in QBR until KJ Jefferson took over. And, and yeah, there's a lot of different philosophies as far as Arkansas's offense went. Arkansas threw a lot of short to intermediate throws uh, over the middle. Uh, he didn't really execute that under Kendall Browse, but he was one of the best uh, deep ball throwers. Accurate. Accurate is all you can all you can ask for out of a quarterback, especially for your favorite team. A guy that has a beautiful deep ball, has a lot of great velocity on his throws. Will he attack the middle of the field? Yeah, I think you, you look at this, and I think with with the size advantage that Arkansas is going to have with their wide receiver room, I think this really sets up Arkansas and KJ Jefferson to have a better season than you could ever ask for. A guy that could probably throw for over 3,000 yards. I think you'll see a little bit less running out of him. I don't think you'll go for 700 yards, 800 yards rushing like he's capable of. I think if he his best bet, as far as becoming more of a polished passer, is best under Dan Enos. Jalen Hurts said it himself in an interview. If it wasn't for Dan Enos helping him develop as a passer in Dan Enos' one year at Alabama, Jalen Hurts wouldn't be where he is. Look at Tua Tagovailoa, who, who developed as a passer under Dan Enos. You look at Kirk Cousins, a guy that Dan Enos coached while at Michigan State. You think uh, I can go on and name on and name on quarterbacks that that Dan Enos has coached or been with? Tulua Tugavaloa, a guy that is potentially going to be an in, uh, NFL prospect, a guy that will probably end up being drafted by the NFL next season. Uh, I mean, Dan Enos has coached potentially if he gets these two quarterbacks in the league, nine quarterbacks under Dan Enos who have made the NFL rosters. That's simply incredible. That's exceptional numbers and something that Arkansas couldn't ask more for. Yeah, Kendall Bryles had uh, Robert Griffin III as the second overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft. Kendall Bryles, man, he did a lot of good things for KJ, really developed him and and made him as effective as he's going to be. Uh, under Kendall. I think that's as far as I think KJ could make it under him. But like I said, I think he has the opportunity to be a more developed passer under Danny Nose than ever before. And I think a lot of that has to do with the quarter, uh, the wide receivers that they brought in and the tight ends that they're bringing in. Like I think Arkansas has the opportunity here to have a terrific season, especially at offense. I, as far as, as defense, um, uh, I think they. I think a lot is going to have to be shored up, but they recruited well. Uh, obviously, you had uh, in the transfer portal a very good haul so far, and it may not be over because Arkansas, I think, has like 
eight or nine more spots open. I may be wrong. But you bring in a guy like Trey John Jeffcoat out of Missouri. Uh, you bring in Al, Al Wacott out of Baylor. You bring in Snacks Johnson out of Baylor. You bring in Antonio, Antonio Greer, who is going to be another impact linebacker. I think he may be one of the biggest uh, sneaks uh, in, in this transfer portal season. I think uh, Chris Paul, Jordan Crook, and Antonio Greer will be one of the best trio of linebackers in the SEC. You bring in John Morgan uh, to do uh, edge rushing, a guy from Pitt who uh, had a really good career. But, I mean, under Deke Adams, we saw what Arkansas was able to do this season. They led, they were leading the SEC and were top 10 in, in sacks this past season. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's it as far as defensive transfers go. Uh, I think maybe two, maybe one or two more defensive backs to be brought in. You bring in, you bring him back to White McLaughlin. You get back a a healthy Ladarius Bishop. And this team, man, I think with Hudson Clark maybe uh, playing more of rotational safety, I think suits him best. I really think Arkansas uh, has a chance to really surprise and build off a seven and six season. I know it's hard to build off a seven and six season, especially a season where you were let down but I really think Arkansas has a chance to do some things next year. I really do, and I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not trying to sunshine pump, but I'm trying to kind of set realistic expectations. Maybe an eight or nine win season again in 2023 is attainable. I really didn't talk enough about the uh, the coaching changes uh, that Arkansas went through uh uh, defensively. I don't think that Travis Williams is going to receive enough credit uh, because he was a UCF guy, a guy that didn't have much uh, uh, group of five experience. I mean, a uh, power five experience as far as uh, uh, coaching defenses goes, but he's an SEC guy, a, a pretty much an SEC lifer, played at Auburn. It has a pedigree of the SEC, a guy that I think Arkansas really – will have really good respected defenses under. And then you also have to think about the recruiting prowess of guys like Travis Williams. They're young. They're motivated to succeed. And then you have uh, uh, Marcus Woodson, uh, at, uh, who was a former defensive back coach, now co-defense coordinator here at Arkansas. I think that was an upgrade. And And don't get me wrong, I love the defensive back coach that was here before but things just didn't go as we expected them to. A guy that was really good fundamentals, a guy that was under uh, best coaches under 35 in the country is who Arkansas had uh, this past season. It just didn't work out. I think you bring in Marcus Woodson, you shore up the deficiencies in the secondary, and I think you're going to be all right. I think Arkansas will be able to, to be like, okay, Sam Pittman knows what he's doing. And this could have been something that backfired on Sam Pittman. You lose your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. But who am I kidding? This defense that Arkansas had they this past season in 2022 was one of the worst in school history. John Chavis' 2019 or 2018 defense was better than the one that Barry Odom em, uh, employed this past year. I'm not making up excuses. Arkansas better have a better defense because what Barry Odom was doing at Arkansas this past year didn't get the job done. 
And Arkansas was paying too much money for the product that was being put out on the field each and every single week. It was unacceptable. And now you bring in uh, two guys that have that SEC background that are fired up and hungry and willing to recruit. And I think this really will be one of the better staffs at the end of the season. I think Arkansas uh, can prove to be winners of the coaching carousel instead of the losers. You bring in a tight end coach, yeah, you lose uh, Dow Loggins in South Carolina as offensive coordinator, but you bring in a guy that's coached like seven or eight tight ends to the NFL uh, in in uh, at Stanford. You don't see that very often. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm missing. Oh, yeah, you bring in uh, a guy in uh, Duran. Who uh, who's who's got family members throughout a college football? Who has a great pedigree as far as coaching goes? Deron Wilson, Frank Wilson, who is his uncle, coaches at LSU with the running backs. A great, fantastic recruiter. A great, fantastic coach. A guy that that's been around for a long time. And Arkansas's got him. This Deron Wilson guy, the coach, the secondary. Morgan Turner at tight ends. You have more accomplished coaches on this staff right now than you had previously. Yeah, Barry Odom was respected for things that he did under Memphis, things that he did as defensive coordinator at Missouri, for the defenses that he that he that he fielded at Missouri while he's a head coach. You take the accomplishments that that Kendall Bryles had at Baylor, where they had one of the most explosive offenses in the country during his time there with his dad. At Arkansas, they were great offensively between the 20s this season, and then they just couldn't get it done in the red zone. But here we are, a fresh start, and like Brandon Marcello said, it could be a good thing for Arkansas. It's just going to have take time to prove it. But that'll do, this, do it for Episode 297 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I appreciate every single but every single person coming in and and joining in on the conversation and watching. Uh, man, it means a lot. I'm glad I don't have to do this solo because it was really hard every single week <laughs> for an hour. So I, I really appreciate every single one of y'all uh, tuning in and watching. Uh, there's one thing uh, that I haven't talked about tonight that I will talk about uh, tomorrow morning. So kind of keep up and watch that tomorrow morning as I have kind of it's it's a it's pretty cool. So. For Jacob Davis, this is episode 297 of the Hog Talk podcast. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.